Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Uh, if you're with me, say resilient. Oh, wonderful. There's a lot of people with me. That's fantastic. Um, but what we want to do this morning is we're continuing. This is week two in a sermon series called uh, Resilient. Uh, and we want to be thinking about, looking at scripture. Uh, we, we know that in life we're going to face storms. Anybody ever face a storm in their life? I don't see any hands, but I know that means everybody. Thank you, Marvin. I see your hand. I see that hand. But, um, but again, there we face storms in our lives. But we also know that God's word and God gives us strength that we can be resilient in those storms. And what we want to do over the series is help us. How do we apply God's truth to our mindset, to our perspective, that we would be a resilient people? Uh, Last week, Pastor Craig uh, uh, talked about the idea of asking God, asking big, having a dream uh, and, and pursuing God for that. And that can help us be resilient when the storms of life come. Uh, And today we want to take a look at a different aspect of how we can uh, be resilient. And uh, if you want to turn your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. That's where we're going to be hanging out this morning in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, We're going to be looking at the story of the king of Judah at the time. His name is Jehoshaphat and not Boba Fett, but Jehoshaphat uh, is his name. Uh, And we're going to see... Uh, his response to a battle in uh, his life, in the kingdom that he is leading. As you're making your way there, Jehoshaphat is this interesting example. Because in our text today, he's actually a pretty positive example of how we can be resilient. But previously, he'd encountered a similar circumstance, and he didn't fare so well. He ended up trying to rely on human alliances and his own politicking to try to save himself and his kingdom. But we're going to see now his response and how we trust in God and how we can learn to live in similar ways and trust God when we face battles in our lives. What we're going to do today as we start off, I just want to read the first 15 verses, get the story in front of us as we walk through the text and engage with it this morning. Uh, So it says this, starting in verse 1. So 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Meonites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, and Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Someone say seek. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Sounds like some of the songs that we sang this morning. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel? 
and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in the house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Let's keep going in verse 10. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom uh, you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph. In the midst of the assembly, verse 15. And he said, listen. Someone say, listen. All Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. This morning, we want to think about a message called, the battle belongs to who? Would you pray with me as we continue? God, we thank you so much for your presence. And God, I thank you that as a a family, as a church, whether here in Surrey, in Princeton, or online around the world, God, that we get to join together and sing of who you are, of what you've done, that you are victorious, that you are powerful, that you are near. And Lord, we pray now that as we turn to your word, that you would remind us in a fresh way of God, how you empower us in the midst of storms. Holy Spirit, with this word that you inspired, would you illuminate it to us and inscribe it upon our hearts? We trust you, Jesus, and we want to hear from you this morning. So we open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds, and we set our attention and our focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen. As uh, I was preparing, I was reminded of a story uh, of a time when I was working in Toronto. And I was doing some uh, uh, youth missions there, and we had a great team. Uh, and teams every week, like of 90 students and their leaders would come. We would host them. We stayed at a Salvation Army church. Every day we would send them out to go serve the city. We'd have chapel services. We would feed them. It was a great time. Uh, but it was challenging as well. There was late nights. Uh, at the time, I was in Toronto. Uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, was in France. And we were trying to communicate through Skype before Zoom was a thing. This was a while ago. And it was hard. It was difficult. It was a lot of work. Uh, and I can remember one, e- one day specifically, it was a tough day. It was a long day. And in the evening, uh, Ash and I, we tried to talk on the phone. And even though I had to wake up early in the morning, I'd stayed up late fixing things, connecting with Astrid. And then finally, it was time to go to bed. It was probably about midnight. I, I should have been in bed way earlier. And so I decided, okay, it's time to go to bed. So let's go from where I'm sleeping in a church, uh, in a former library, now my bedroom, 
let's go walk to the washroom and I'm just going to brush my teeth so then I can go to bed. That sounds like a good plan. Uh, Pastoral advice, go to bed. Find a good reasonable time and go to sleep. But anyway, so I was like, okay, I'm exhausted. Long day. Let's make my way to the washroom. And I should tell you, I may have been breaking the rules. One of the rules of the Salvation Army Church is that you were, you were required to wear shoes inside. That was a rule from Major Ray. He was the pastor there, uh, which is an awesome name for a pastor, Major Ray. And he said, you have to wear shoes. But I decided it's late. Everyone is sleeping. I'm just going to go brush my teeth. And so I go from my room and I'm walking over to the bathroom. And all of a sudden, I step in something wet. And I don't know how I knew, but I immediately knew that I just stepped in vomit. And so I'm in the hallway. The lights are out. It's dark. I've had a long day. I want to go to bed. I just want to brush my teeth and go to bed. And I now have my foot in something you don't want your bare foot to be in. So I turn on the flashlight on my phone and I start scanning the situation. And there is a pile of vomit that is not only on the floor, but it's on the wall. And it's even on a medical scooter there. And I'm like, oh my Lanta, this is a total disaster. The night had already started bad, now just got worse. Then I discovered the student that had thrown up who had bad bubble tea. I don't know if that's even a thing, but that's what happened. She maybe had too much. It was her first time. Anyway... Her and her leader, they come and help me. We now spend the next half an hour cleaning up just vomit that is everywhere. It's gross. But we had a good time. But I'm I'm ready to go to bed at this point. So finally, we cleaned it all up and all the garbage, all the paper towel, everything I put into a big garbage bag. And I'm like, okay, finally, I can just throw the garbage away and finally go to bed. So then I go outside to where the garbage bin is. And as I open the bin, a raccoon jumps out right at eye level. And he looked like he was going to tear me apart. This raccoon jumps out and I give out a manly groan. (laughs) I I did not. Uh, Those people that I helped were like, were you the woman that shrieked? No, that was not me. But he was coming in my eyes. But it was one of those things in life, and maybe you've experienced this, where you have a bad day, and then it gets worse. And then something else surprises you, and it gets worse. Some of us experience that in life, where we've felt multiple storms, multiple battles, multiple difficulties come, and we wonder, what are we going to do? Because shrieking isn't going to solve the problem. But we, we felt that. Maybe in your own life, maybe you've been having a financial difficulty, and things are really tight. And then all of a sudden, your kid is struggling somewhere. And then maybe someone gets sick. I don't know what storms you're facing. But the truth is that on this side of heaven, we're going to face some storms. Much like we just read about in this text, there were three armies that surprised and were trying to invade Judah. So Jehoshaphat is taken by surprise. It looks really bad. There's a huge army, a multitude, a horde, if you will, A horde's a big number. I don't know the technical amount of a horde, but trust me, it's a lot of soldiers that are coming to take them out. And maybe you feel like the enemy is trying to take you out. Maybe temptation is really strong in your life. Maybe there's an addiction that's going on. Maybe someone's passed away. So the question is, is what do we do when we face the battles in life? The thing that we want to remind ourselves is this. 
is that no matter what the storm, whatever the chaos, the anxiety, the temptation, whatever that might be, we need to remind ourselves of a powerful truth if we're going to be resilient. And the truth is this. It answers the question, the battle belongs to who? Well, we know the truth of that question. We read it in verse 15, is that the battle is the Lord's. I want to remind us today that we need to hold on to this truth, which is sustained believers for thousands of years, that the battle is not ours, the battle belongs to God. And if we can grasp hold of this truth, it can change how we respond. It can change our reaction to the difficulties in life, and we can respond different. There's an amazing gift that we're going to see when we can hold on to the truth, when our mind is conformed with the truth of God, that the battle is his. There's times in life where we feel the same question. I don't know what to do. It's called a storm. But we know that when we're in the storm, that those belong to God. So let's catch up with our story that we read this morning. So we know that Jehoshaphat's the king of Judah. There are three armies that have worked together. They've come from the west and they've come to attack them. They're now about a day's march away. This is a legit scenario. They need to figure out what to do pretty quick. Jehoshaphat, in his wisdom, does something amazing first. When they hear about the horde, is he calls a fast. He calls everybody to pray, and you sense this unity of people, that they all come together to pray. We just had a fast a few weeks ago. What a great thing to do when the storms of life come is to, to fast, to pray, and to seek God. And so what they do is they seek God, and they worship him. They remind themselves of who they are, and they wait for God to speak, and God gives them an answer, encourages them to not be afraid, gives them a strategy of what they're going to do. That You see, God, because the battle belongs to him, already knows the enemy's battle plans, and he can tell you what they are. And so in the text, he says, they're going to come here. I want you to go here. And he gives them the strategy of what they should do. What then happens as the text continues to go on, God reminds them, God encourages them, is that the next morning, we're going to start in verse 20, and it says this. And they rose early in the morning. They rose early in the morning. I love these guys. They wake up early because they have an expectation that God's going to show up in a great way. And they went into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe as prophets, and you will succeed. And when they had taken counsel with the people, they appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Did you catch their strategy that God has given them? Is they're about to enter into a battle against a horde, a multitude of soldiers, and their front, their initial response is to send the worship team. Right? So imagine that America has decided they're going to come and attack and conquer Horizon Church this morning. And we call up Jacob, we call up the worship team, and we say, you guys go first. It's an amazing thing, but God has promised them, God's given them a strategy. So they send the worship team first. Let's read what happens next. 
Verse 22, and when they began to sing and praise, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord sent an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. They were totally destroyed. In the text, it says that God, in some way, he ambushes them. And we find that two of the armies kill one of the other armies. And then the two remaining armies kill each other. That everybody dies. And what has Judah done? They're just sitting there with acoustic guitar singing praise songs as God has won the victory. As God has conquered their enemy, as God has delivered them from all of their fear by ambushing and destroying the entire enemy. And then it gets better because after that, for the next three days, God's people get all the spoils. There's all of these things that the other army has brought, and it takes them three days to gather all of it. Here's the good news is that what the enemy has meant to destroy you, God can turn it for good. The enemy came to destroy Judah, but God used it to bless them. And they got spoils. And then they took all of that, and then they marched back to Jerusalem, the place that they started with the fast. They then marched back in victory with the worship team leading again, singing praise and worship songs, maybe this time with the keyboard. I don't know. But they start making their way back because God has provided the victory. And the big truth for us this morning is that God brought the victory because the battle belongs to God. And guess what? Our God is a victorious God. So we need to encourage ourselves in the storms of life. How are we resilient? Hold on to this truth. The battle is God's. Because Jehoshaphat knew the battle belonged to God, his reaction was amazing. Not that Jehoshaphat is like the best ever, but he, his response is great because he knew that the battle belonged to God. And we need to know this as well. We need to let this simmer in our hearts and our minds until it transforms the way we look. It transforms what we do and our actions when we hold to the truth that the battle belongs to God, that the battle is the Lord's, as the text would say. Because here's the thing. If the battle belongs to someone, that makes them the owner of that thing. And if God is the owner of that thing, he's responsible for that thing. What an amazing invitation. When the storms of life come, that we can actually, when the the, the, I have no idea what to do moments, I've had a number of those. I just, I have no clue. We have this amazing invitation that we can give those to God. And now no longer am I the owner of it, he's the owner of it. And if he's the owner, he's responsible for it. It'd be like this. Imagine you were house-sitting someone's house. Uh, My wife and I, when we were early uh, in our marriage, uh, I was a Bible school student, and so we would make money. Uh, You know, Astrid was working, I was landscaping, that kind of stuff. But one extra thing we did is we would house-sit. And I really like house-sitting. It's kind of like a little vacation where you live because you get to explore someone else's house. But here's the thing. <laughs> and you get to take care sometimes of their cute dogs. It's a good time house-sitting. But here's the thing. If you are house-sitting and the water heater breaks, who's responsible? The owner's responsible. I'm just house-sitting. I don't have to pay for it. Here's good news. If the battle belongs to God, he's responsible. And if he's responsible, well, guess what? 
Now we can access his support. Now we can access his strategy. Now we can access his success because it is his battle, not mine. This is good. What a great exchange can happen. We read about this in the New Testament in 2 Peter, uh, where we're reminded to cast our anxieties upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. We have this amazing invitation that whatever our anxiety is, our storm, our difficulty, our challenge, this amazing invitation that we can throw it upon the Lord. And if we cast it upon him, we have an amazing opportunity to leave it with him and take a step back because it's now his, not mine. It's now his concern. And when we do that, we can access resources like we've never been able to do if we did it on our own. Because he is responsible. We can have his strategy, his strength, his support, his stability, and his success. So what we want to do now is we're reminded also of this, is that, again, not only is the battle belong to him, so it's, he's now the owner. We can access his support in the battle. But also, God has a really good track record, a track record of winning. Way better than my track record of winning of fantasy football, God is still undefeated. God has never lost a battle that he's entered into. He wins, he overcomes, he delivers his people, he is a victorious king. This is good news for us today, and it's a good news for the gospel too. Because our greatest enemies of sin and death have already been defeated by Jesus. Pastor Daniel reminded of that this morning. As we partake in communion, we remind ourselves that Jesus won. Sin and death, not our enemy anymore. Because it's already been defeated. The battle belongs to God. And if the battle belongs to God, it changes everything. It changes our response. It changes how we approach the storms of life. And we can be resilient because the battle belongs to God. So we've been thinking about if the battle belongs to God, it changes our response. I want to think about four ways that we can respond, that we respond to the storms of life. We see them in the text. We sang about them this morning. We can see them throughout the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, that these four responses to the storms can help you be resilient to the storms that you're facing. I don't know what you're facing, but I know a God who's victorious. I know a God who is with you. I know a God who the battle belongs to him. And because of that, we can respond differently. So again, we have human tendencies when storms of life come. Sometimes our response is just to panic or shriek. Sometimes our response is to run. Sometimes our response is to get angry. Sometimes it's hot to hide. Sometimes it's to ignore it. We have all of these natural responses. But because the battle is his, we can actually respond supernaturally to the challenges that we face in our life. The first thing, the first response that we can have is that we need to look up. Someone say, look up. So we find out right away with Jehoshaphat, When they find out that the armies are coming, the first thing they do is they seek God. And they say, I love how he says it in verse, the end of verse 12, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. If you want to be resilient when the storms come, look up. When storms come, our response is often to look to two places. 
either the storm or the self. This is a natural human response. But again, God's called us higher. The natural response when we face difficulties, battles, enemies, whatever it might be, is we often look to the storm. And we spend a lot of time thinking about the storm and making it even bigger in our own minds. We go to bed and we can't sleep because we're thinking about the storm. We're driving to work and we can't focus because we're thinking about the storm. We spend a lot of time thinking about the storm. I've been there myself. The other response we typically do is we look to ourselves and we think, oh, I have no idea what to do. I guess I'm going to have to try to figure it out and grind this thing out. And we get discouraged and stressed out because we look to ourselves and realize there are some battles we face that we cannot solve on our own. There's some I don't knows that come that we cannot muster the strategy, the energy, the motivation to accomplish. And I'm not talking about I don't know the answer on this math test or I don't know what to make for dinner. I'm talking about those I don't know. I've come to the end of myself and I cannot see my way out. So the invitation, because the battle belongs to God, is that when storms come, we can look to him. We can look to the God who's able, look to the God who's strong, look to the God of our fathers. We can look to the God who rules in heaven. We get to to remind ourselves. One of the ways that we look at him is we remind ourselves of his faithfulness in the past. Not only in the scriptures, but even in our own lives. When the storms come, we look to him. When we look to his character and his faithfulness. We see this, that this is what David did. When he saw Goliath, this large enemy. It says in 1 Samuel 17, it says, And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into his hands. David could say this because he wasn't looking at the size of Goliath. He was looking at the strength of his God. So when the storms of face come, don't look at the size of the army. Look at the size and power and might and track record and character and mercy and faithfulness of our God. Changes everything when we look up, when the storms come towards us. Now, looking up is also a humbling thing. King Jehoshaphat, in front of everybody, says this, we're powerless. I don't know what to do. Imagine if that's what our politicians did sometimes. I almost wish they did, because sometimes they give answers, and you're like, we don't know. But Jehoshaphat just tells everyone, we're powerless. I don't know but we look to God. That's called humility. Looking up is humbling ourselves, taking our eyes off the storm in ourselves and humbling ourselves, looking to God. And good news, when we humble ourselves before the Lord, God delights in that and shows up and reveals himself to those who come with humility. He comes to us with humility. Um, the next thing that we need to do, we see in the life of Jehoshaphat, not only do we, we need to look up, the next thing we need to do is we need to listen well. We need to listen well. So in response to God's people here in the story, praying and fasting, seeking God, humbling themselves, no surprise, God answers. God loves to answer the prayers of humble people. And so what does he do? He answers. He threw a prophet 
fills the prophet with the Holy Spirit, and then answers the people. And God reminds them, don't be afraid. Uh, Don't be dismayed. I'm with you. Stand with them. Go here. Gives them the strategy. When we're walking through the battles of life, if the battle belongs to God, we need to learn to listen well. When we humble ourselves and seek God, wisdom in, God's wisdom in the storms, we can be confident that the same spirit that gave Jehoshaphat the marching orders is the same spirit who gives wisdom to us today. Listening well means we have faith that God will speak. That's a huge part of a storm. Sometimes we get to storms and we think to ourselves, God, where are you? Well, the answer is he's really close. And if he's really close, when the storm is howling, when the wind is beating, God is so close that he doesn't have to yell the instructions. He's so close in the storms, he can whisper them to us. Part of his encouragement to God's people is not only that the battle is his, but that he's with you. There's some people going through difficulties and you feel that because you're in a storm that God is distant. His ears are closed, but that couldn't be further from the truth. He is so close. He wants to speak to you, to give you strength, to give you strategy. And so when God speaks, we listen well by trusting that God will speak and then trusting the words that he says. You know, sometimes God's strategy looks ridiculous. It looks like sending the worship team to face a large army. But we have faith that we listen well. When God speaks, we say yes to what he says. We say yes to his promise, not forgetting who he is. We listen well. It means that we also are not forgetting what God has promised to us while we wait. In our story, they hear from God and they have to wait till tomorrow for the victory. And so part of listening well is that we trust and we still trust in God's word. They express the trust by waking up in the morning and being like, today's the day. God's going to bring victory. It's going to happen. I'm going to trust in what God has said to me. Some of we, us, you're in a storm right now and you've been waiting longer than a day. But we still trust the word of God. Whatever he's spoken to you, we trust that it will come. We trust in his character. We trust in his nearness to us, even while we wait. I don't know how long the battle's gonna rage. I don't know. But I do know the God who is with you in the battle and that we can wait with expectant confidence and peace because God speaks to us. We wanna listen to him. The next thing we wanna think about, how do we, how do, what's our response? If the battle belongs to God, we look up, we listen well, the next thing we do is we let God. Someone say, let God. Because the battle is God's, we trust his plan. So God gave them a strategy. I want to, he said, tomorrow, go do this. And what did Jehoshaphat and the people do? They did that. Sometimes you're in a battle and you've humbled yourself. God, I need you. I need your strategy. And then God comes and gives you the answer. Now is when your faith gets into action. Am I going to trust what God said by responding in faith and action to what he has asked me to do? And that can be difficult because it can look daunting and it can look impossible. I've been in times in my life where I'm like, God, what are you up to? And his response, and you're like, "That's, that's the strategy? Okay, God, let's step out into what God is doing. 
Letting God is about putting our faith into the real world, into our choices, what to do and what not to do. It's about not picking and choosing when God guides us. I like A and a bit of C, but I don't really want to do B. No, when we trust God, when we let God, we do it his way. And here's the thing. If the battle belongs to God, and when we let God do his thing, because he's the one that is fighting for us. The good news for Judah is they, did, they didn't even fight. They, well, they did, and we'll look about how they fought, but they didn't swing any swords. And the enemy was defeated. Why? Because God was fighting for them. God is fighting for you as well. And if the battle belongs to God and we follow his way, we can, the battle belongs to God. It ultimately means that the victory is not up to you, but don't be surprised when the victory involves your participation. So the battle is the Lord's and the victory is his, but don't be surprised when part of the battle plan is to use you. In the plan, God still said, go to the battlefield in our story. He didn't have to. They could have stayed where they were and they could, God could have said, I'm going to destroy them and God could have just destroyed them when they were a day's march away. But that's not what God did. He said, I want you to go to the battlefield. So they went to the battlefield and they walked to the distance, but they still showed up. And with their faith and with their worship, God used them to participate in the victory. The victory belongs to him, but don't be surprised when God uses you. This could look like in different ways. Maybe you're facing a financial battle. Don't be surprised if the Spirit gives you wisdom to start a budget while God delivers you. Or we can read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It speaks to this. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. Who's faithful? Who brings the victory? God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You have to work with God in his ways. He will provide a way of escape, but you got to take it. There is still some of our participation. When we say let God, it doesn't mean that we're not active, but it means that we participate in how he instructs us to do it. And he gets the victory ultimately, but we get to participate in bringing the victory about. The last thing we want to think about, and the keys are going to come up in a moment, is this. When we face battles, if we hold on to the truth that the battle belongs to God, we respond differently by looking up, listening well, letting God. And the last thing is lift up. Someone say lift up. The response of God's people in our story is that after God brings the victory, what do they do? They had a worship service. They celebrate what God has done. They worship and they lift up their praise to God. I want to encourage you is that when God brings the victory, that we worship the win. That we worship the win. We worship the one who brings the win. After God brings the victory, we worship and remind ourselves that he gets the credit and we don't. And this is important for us, that we remind ourselves, God, I worship you that you delivered me from this. Because we remind ourselves of who did it. But it also reminds those around us who did it that they would know a God that brings delivery. They would know a God that brings freedom to people. Uh, David knew this when he, uh, he called people to worship God, that he is their refuge in Psalm 5. He's their protection. He's their shield, that we bless the Lord in response to the victories that he brings. If God has delivered you, worship him. 
But here's the thing in the story is that there's not just one worship service. Is that there's actually a worship service before the victory comes. God gave them the instructions and that day they worshiped. They fell flat on their faces. They sang songs of praise. The next day they brought the victory. We can worship while we wait. When the storms come, if we want to be resilient, we need to learn to worship while we wait. While we worship, it reminds us, it puts our eyes on God. It reminds ourselves of who's our strength, of who's our source. Worship is an act of faith saying that I'm going to worship now because as certain as the word of God comes is as certain that the victory will be. And so I can start worshiping now, even before I see my breakthrough, even before I see my healing even before I see my family restored, even before I see all of that, I'm going to worship now because as certain as God is faithful, I know it's going to come to pass. And so I'm just going to get early. I'm going to rise early and I'm going to sing. And my posture is going to be like, Jesus, I know you're going to do it. So I'll just start praising now. And then I'll keep going after the victory too because he is worthy of all of our worship. We can worship while we wait. Here's the thing, is not only can we worship the wind and we can worship while we wait, but did you know that worship can bring the wind? Worship can bring the wind. Worship is a powerful weapon in spiritual warfare. It's in this story. How, how, how does God use them? He sends the worship team and with their faith, with their singing, God wipes out the enemy. We see in the New Testament, Paul and Silas, they're stuck in prison. And they start worshiping and chains start breaking. Worship is a weapon. So we start singing and don't be surprised that sometimes the victory comes when you're singing. When you're worshiping all who God is, worship can bring the wind. As I was studying this, I was reminded of multiple stories of where demon-possessed people were delivered because people started singing. Missionaries who were entering into dangerous places started worshiping first. The wisdom of the saints gave people a calmness in their minds because they've learned the power of worship, of giving their praise to God, of making Him their focus and making much of Jesus. One author says it this way, God has appointed the use of spiritual songs as an effective weapon. Someone say effective. Against the, his arch enemy, Satan. Some of the victories are going to be won because we sang. And it's not going to make sense in the natural, but guess what? The battle belongs to God. And if he wants to overcome the enemy with a melody, watch him do it. So we can sing and we can sing with authority. We can sing with power. I'd encourage you when you're feeling discouraged by yourself, would you start singing? Maybe it's an old hymn. Maybe it's a new chorus. Maybe it's a song that you just wrote on the spot. But would you allow worship to help produce resilience in you as you put your attention on Jesus? The battle belongs to God. Our big question for the day was, who does the battle belong to? And the answer is, it belongs to God. The battle that you're facing this morning, that's God's battle. The trial that you're in, that battle belongs to God. Your fight with anxiety, that's his too. Give it to him. It's not yours anymore. Give it to him. 
and watch what he'll do in your life as we trust him, as he gives us support and strength. Now, don't know where you are. Maybe a battle has surprised you and there's an enemy looming in your life. I'd encourage you, humble yourself, give it over to him and set your eyes on him. Maybe God has spoken and he's given you insight, given you wisdom, but you're still waiting. Would you trust him? He is near to you. Maybe you're in the battle right now. Don't be afraid. Follow his strategy. Stand. Maybe you're in a time of peace. He's already brought the victory. Would you worship him and remind yourself what he has done? And would you actively continue to pursue him in your life? No matter where you are, we can always worship. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.